Good morning, good morning. This is me and my wife Jessica on Led by the Word on our Facebook page, YouTube, Oasis Lot, which is Leaders of Tomorrow. Today's been a wild day. Lost my green highlighter, by the way, it is found now. Used a pink highlighter. Can't see it. Everyone else can see it, so that's weird. Uh, so, like, if I jump around and it takes me moments to, like, find my verses, it's because I can't find the highlighting. First and foremost, we have no clue who wrote 1 Kings. Which surprised me. Now we have guesstimates. They said it's either Ezra, Ezekiel, or possibly Jeremiah. Those are the highest guesses. But there's actually a bunch of guesses. So here's, here's something. Um, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, they were originally written as one book with more than one author. 1st and 2nd Kings covers a time period of 450 years. Hmm. I did not know that. I knew there was a lot of kings, and I, I'm excited actually about a few of these kings. And one guy said it, and I'm going to butcher his quote, but he said pretty much first kings is seeing how God reacts to our good decisions and our bad decisions. Hmm. I was like, man, that's really good. So like we're going to see here in a minute, we're going to get to first kings chapter three and they open it up. Uh, well, a few verses in where Solomon does something and you see God's reaction to it. I was like, wow, I'm already seeing that this quickly in there. Um, let me see here. The first 11 chapters, when I think of 1 Kings, um, there's two kings that come to mind, but the most specific one is Solomon. Of course. We got Mitchell here on camera. He said that's one of his favorite Bible characters. Hmm. The little bit I've been reading and a little bit I've been listening and commentary, Solomon is like, boom, quickly, new favorite for me. Uh, the first 11 chapters are his 40 years of reign. Okay, now we're going to get started into this study. Um, I encourage you, take a moment. Uh, we'll put a lower third or something on the screen right now. Get our free Bible course. Had the opportunity yesterday, a uh, prison in Tennessee. We sent a bunch of Bible courses to. Uh, they're saying it's going to be used in their rec area. It's going to be used in their library. And they're going to start uh, pushing it there. So excited for God using the Word of God to help people. You know, we're always looking for... I'm going to use this lightly. We're, we're looking for that word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. And like, if you take a moment and pray and then study this, you're going to get a lot of words. And I'm telling you, most of it's going to be convicting. Right. Some of it's going to be like, oh, I got to work on this. Oh, I got to do this. And that's great. That's God developing us. That's God molding us. We're literally potter on the potter's wheel. And this is some of the ways that he works with us. This is some of the ways that he develops us. This is some of the ways that he guides us. So if you're in a moment in your life where you're like, God, I need direction. I need something. Get in this word and seek it out. And God will speak to you and show you through this. So Moses, I know this is a weird name to throw out. Moses is 120 years old. And he's like rip-roaring ready to go. David is 70. And like David's done. Mm -hmm. David's feet are in the bed. <laughs> David's not doing anything. It becomes to the point and I, I've read this, this is all in my head right now, so my mind's going one chapter to the other. But it comes to a point that David's not on the throne anymore. There's other people in the throne room. There's other people doing leadership. David's just resting. And the way, I, the way I'm saying it, 70 years old is not old for this situation. So he's young, high mileage. <laughs> like, you think of what David's been through. You think of the... The physical battles he's fought, if you put that into our time at what we're going through, we're no longer fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting powers, principalities, wickedness, you know, all this stuff. This guy has fought hard his whole life for the kingdom. And I want at the end of our lives, I want the end of your life, you who's listening right now, 
to fought hard for the kingdom. Mm. We received a letter yesterday from one of our dear partners, and it was really simple, just a scrawling, and it said, I don't want my life to be wasted. Amen. And I took a picture because it was just those simple words, and I was like, I feel that. Like, I don't want my life to be wasted, you know? And this is a person that's sewing into ministry, trying to do outreach ministry, trying to find, you know, the niche calling in their life that God's called them to do. And I was like, what is, like, profound simple statement. I told my kids like that graffiti that just stops you in your tracks and you're, like makes you think for a second. And you're like, wow, yeah, I agree with you. Like this simple sentence, I don't want my life to be wasted. And I'm like, wow. I would take a moment. I'd let that be your prayer today. I don't want my life to be wasted. Yeah. There's, there's too much at stake. You know, they, you can watch these guys and they're doing these high stake poker. You can watch these people and their lives on the line for one sporting event. You can watch these people. They're at their championship, their world series. And everything's on the line for them. I don't think we realize daily what is on the line for us as soldiers for the Lord. Oh, absolutely. I don't think we realize the powers and the principalities and the attacks that are maybe not always on us, but on somebody in our life that we're called to pray for. We're called to seek God. We're called to fast ourselves mm -hmm. so we can say, God, what place do I need to be in spiritually so I can combat this giant in their life? And we get so consumed and we get weary. Mm -hmm. And... That takes us right back to David. David's 70 years old. He's not 120 like Moses, ready to go. He's 70 and he is weary. Mm -hmm. He is weary to the point they're, they're saying he just sits there and he has his blankets, he has his fire, and that's it. He don't make decisions. He don't do nothing. So we're going to go back to another name. I'm sure you all are going to remember this name, Bathsheba. Yes. And Bathsheba comes in. Pause. Got to say this. There's a lot of A names. There's so many A names right here. Um, did you struggle with that or is that just me? Um, well, I'll give you, like, just spoiler alerts. The first one, the Adoniah, or Ad Adoniah. Um, I was like, I thought it was. Where, it took me a few context clues for reading. If you're not sure who someone is in the Bible, of course you can Google it. I had my browser up, but I was like, let me just read the verses before and after, kind of give you context clues. Spoiler alert, it's one of David's sons, Absalom's younger brother. But it's, yeah, that name did yeah, catch from the me. wife of Ab Absalom's mom's yes. second, yeah. Yes, so I was like, okay, context clues. But yeah, a lot of them were kind of similar. And then there's some names later in the reading that we're doing today. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Who is this? So yeah, it is a little confusing. Just take your time with it. So first and foremost, you got to understand there is a kingdom entrusted to you. Mm -hmm. And God, he's called you uh, for righteousness. He's called you for peace. He's called you to make an impact on this earth. And a lot of us, we're, we think kingdom is microphone, mm -hmm. and that's nothing. Right. That's yeah. nothing. 99.99% uh, of the best ministry you know, their life is away from a microphone. Oh, yeah. And that's where they make this huge impact. That's where they make – someone texted me the other day, and they said, I had a call on my life to do a great thing. And they said, I'm struggling because today I'm doing small things. And they said, I feel like where, where's the big thing? God called me to this. Why am I here? And I encouraged him. I said, you got to understand, Joseph, the impact he made in the prison was massive. The impact he made on those men's life was massive. And you got to understand, every day of your life, don't be looking for this big, massive impact you're going to make. you got to understand, every day of your life is potential outreach. And that's what the enemy wants. The enemy hates the idea of you going to a store. The enemy hates the idea of you going to a concert. The enemy hates the idea of you going to Walmart and changing somebody's life. Oh, yeah. Because that fire is just going to spread. And then what's going to happen if they're like, if my life can be changed here, 
I can change someone else's life with the love of Christ. It, if you're pumping gas and you feel that unction inside of you to outreach, I'm going to tell you two things quickly. That's neither flesh and that's neither the enemy. Mm -hmm. That is God because we're selfish people and that's the way we're designed. So if we feel that care and we feel that love, we got to know that that's nothing shy of just the love of God. So David's here in his kingdom, just like you're here in your kingdom. And he's weary. He's weary with the pain. He's weary with the struggle. He's weary with his hurt. He's weary from life. Can I just get an amen? David's been through some stuff. David, like Jesse said, he's 70 and he's feeble, but he's had adrenaline running for years. And it will wear you down. If you stay in that stress mode, it will wear your body down. I love, I taught about this in Sunday school, because if you talk about some of the interesting stuff, you know, it gets people hyped. David's mighty men, that one dude that fought with David, it said his hand couldn't even, his hand was stuck in a cleaving. Because mm -hmm. he fought with that sword so much, he couldn't even open his fingers. And we hear that with like craftsmen, if they paint a room by hand all day. I've heard of several people, like they can't unfurl their fist. So it's the same this with that, is the yeah. life David lived. Sure. He lived a life of war. He lived a life of attack. And then during the later part of his kingship, he has a life of peace. He has a life of comfort. And in that, where he's not constantly fighting, mm -hmm. he becomes distracted and becomes weary. Right. So David's first thing to do, Bathsheba comes to him and says, hey, you told me our son was going to be king. And she said, the prophet Nathan come to me. We're going to name drop. Nathan come to me. And Nathan said to come to you and say, you haven't fulfilled your part of that. Mm -hmm. Because now your other son, he's already killing cattle. He's already doing sacrifice. And he's already telling everybody, I'm king. Mm -hmm. So the enemy, here's what the enemy wants to do. Uh, I want to read you Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That sounds beautiful, but if you faint, there is no reaping. Right. So if David didn't have a Nathan, if David didn't have a Bathsheba, then Israel would have had a Adonai. Yes. So because Nathan followed the will of the Lord and spoke to Bathsheba, and because Bathsheba went in there and talked to David, David's like, oh my goodness. So he straightens his shoulders. He gets up. He says, get Nathan, get a priest, and something else. He got three men. Mm-hmm. And he says, bring them together and then go get Solomon. He said, I'm going to do my kingdom's purpose. So he brings them all in and he anoints Solomon. And, and I want you to understand how important the daily tasks of your life, the daily walk with God, the daily, the enemy is so afraid of you, not yesterday, not 10 years from now. He is terrified of you today. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's all these attacks in your life. That's why there's all these distractions in your life. That's why there's all these hardships in your life. It's because the enemy is terrified of what you are capable of. And, you know, God promised through David to Solomon the kingdom. Enemy can't steal that from God. Right. He can't go to God and say, you know what? I'm more powerful than you. I take this. Solomon will not be king. Your plan of a great wise king, your plan of Solomon, it ain't going to happen. But what Solomon can do is when God gives this to David, mm -hmm. if he can distract David, he can take things from David. So understand, if you have a promise in your life, a uh, pastor wrote a book, You Can't Kill a Promise. Unbelievable book. If you want this book, 100% free. We'll have a link and everything. Look that up. Unbelievable. He can't steal nothing from God. But if you want to willingly give up something, that's where the enemy comes in and is attacked. That's where the enemy comes in and makes his move. So always be watchful. Always be mindful of how the enemy's attacking. Definitely. And you see, you know, we have talked about it before. The Old Testament, 
and the New Testament. The Old Testament is, you know, parallels, mirrors, and shadows of Christ's coming and everything. But we can also gather information for our Christian walk. Like, yeah, like Micah said, your kingdom, you know, we're not actually ruling small kingdoms. But there's your kingdom of reach. You know, there's your family. There's your workplace. There's people that, you know, you affect. Um, so I see that in this where... David has this, he's losing his strength, right? And he's getting weary, he's weak. And so, um, apparently this is pretty well known. So his son, Adoniah, um, which is Absalom's little brother, and it's actually, I think this is worth mentioning, is Solomon's older brother. Now, if you're familiar with any of this, like, kingship stuff, um, usually it goes age-wise. You know, the Queen of England just died, so her son, you know, got the throne. Well, he has two sons. Well, guess which one's in line? The older one. So generally speaking, it's always the eldest son. And we see the elder son has blessings with like the Jacob and Esau situation and Genesis. So generally that's the succession line. But David has already promised, excuse me, promised Bathsheba that Solomon would be the next king. So in his weakness, Adonijah kind of exalts himself and is like, yeah, I'm the king. And like Micah said, he started killing animals. He started doing like the certain things that you would do before, like, you know, in preparation for that and everything, and he gets his buddies. So, one of his buddies, I thought this this kind of hurt my feelings on David's behalf, was Joab. And if you are new here, Joab was like David's right-hand man. He was like his commander. He fought a lot of his battles. He slew a lot of his enemies. Joab was with him during the um, rebellion of Absalom. Like, he stood by David. And then when this, you know, young man steps in and is like, I'm king, Joab's like, yeah, I'm going to follow him. I was like, that is so hurtful. Why would he do this? But I guess he saw that, you know, the king was weak and this young man was strong. And he's like, well, you know, technically he's probably in line for the throne. I don't know what was going through Joab's mind. But it ultimately, later, ended up causing his life. And I thought, that is such a betrayal. So, there were two, at least two times that this is referenced, um, where Adonijah is kind of gathering up support for himself, much in the same way Absalom did, but probably not over the course of like 40 years. So, there was a verse, in chapter 1, verse 10, it says, But Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. So, obviously, Adonijah did not call Solomon the proclaimed heir to be like, hey, I'm going to like overthrow the government. <laughs> like, let's do this. Like, no, that would have been stupid. But it says that he did not call these people because he knew that he would not have their support. Nathan was a prophet of God, but he also supported David. We see that over and over and over. And in these scriptures, even in chapter one specifically, where he's like constantly putting David, you know, towards the right thing. Then there's a verse in chapter one, verse 26 where Nathan is directly speaking to David and says, But me, even me thy servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called. Again, Adonijah did not call these people because he knew that they would not rally behind his cause. And it spoke to me on a, in today's time level, where there are people whose whole personality and whose whole grievance and whole spiritual oppression is, they're backbiters, they're gossipers, they're pot stirrers. Do those kind of people, and like when I said that, five names probably jumped in your head. Do those people call on you to back up their nonsense? Do they call on you to be like, get the gossip session on, or do they not? I can't tell you how many times Mike and I are out of the loop of things, because they people know, like, we don't play those games. Like, 
We don't do the gossip thing. We don't do the like tearing down people. You know, we're not into like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Let's trash them. Like, no. He knew that he wouldn't get support from Nathan and Solomon, so he did not seek that kind of support from them. If you constantly find yourself acoustic by people who are like, yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Or, you know, this person really did me wrong. And this is like a reoccurring theme constantly. I think it'd be wise to maybe pause, pray, and say, am I doing something that, like, am I feeding into the spirit? Am I, you know, am I participating in these things? Like, what is, why is this constantly happening? Because yes, every once in a while people come up to you and start nonsense, but if it's a reoccurring thing, you might want to take a break and be like, Lord, is there something in my heart that, like, enjoys this sin? Is there something that's prompting me to, like, you know, invite these people into my life? I would really um, just advise you to stop, pray, kind of take spiritual stock of your life and be like, oof, okay. Because once you lead a life so long that's after Christ, people know, like, hey, I can't come to this person and be like, hey, do you want to go to the bar? Because they know you don't drink. It's like, hey... Do you want to go out clubbing? No, I don't club. You know, I'm a Christian. My actions speak for themselves. So I think that's that was a very interesting point to me where he knew who to call on and who not to call on. Amen. And Nathan is a representation of the church. He's yeah. a representation of the gospel. If you're on the other side of this and you're making decisions and you know, obviously, this doesn't line up with the word of God. Tonight, I'm teaching at Game Changers. Um, what's in your pouch? Whatsoever a man soweth, that's how we also reap. I want to warn you, just like Adam and I here, nothing but destruction comes of these bad decisions. And you may be out here casting words freely. You may be out here casting anger freely. You may be out here casting some bitterness freely. You may be out here even having really hurtful thoughts towards people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, they've done me wrong. I'm going to cast these thoughts. I'm going to cast this. I want you to know all this stuff sprouts. And what you're doing today... And you're thinking, oh, this is these are small actions. Mm -hmm. These are small seeds. God, God shows us over and over throughout his word how small things grow. Mustard seed of faith. He uses that as an example with this little tiny, tiny Microsoft mustard seed. You can move mountains. On the flip side, with little small words, those things grow and grow and grow in pain. So I encourage you to look over the stock of your life. You may have to apologize to some people. You may have to repent of some things and say, God, I don't want to reap the growth of these seeds. I don't want to reap what's going to happen to this. And God, I, I want to change. I want to cast forth seeds of care. I want to cast forth seeds of love. I want to cast forth seeds of forgiveness. And challenge yourself. With God, all things are possible. You can literally, Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ. Challenge yourself. Say, God, today I'm going to start casting different seeds and I'm going to reap a different harvest than I ever had before. This is some good stuff. Uh, I'm I feel like ending soon, but I want to touch a little bit on Solomon chapter 3 at the beginning. Solomon messes up quickly. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to negotiate with Pharaoh. I'll go ahead and marry Pharaoh's daughter. These are those small seats. These are those small seats. And these are, to us in this society, these are huge seats. With the cultural differences back then, these look like smaller seeds. And honestly, it almost makes sense. Like, almost all bad decisions, in, even in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. have, like, some sort of logic to them. Like, in his mind, if he marries Pharaoh's daughters, that strengthens their allegiance. I mean, Pharaoh's not going to be like, yeah, let me burn Israel down to the ground. Be like, wait a minute, whoa, my daughter's there, my grandkids are there, let me, like, slow my roll. It makes political sense. So here, here's something I want to encourage you. Solomon's known as the man of the most wisdom, right? Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. We have a huge server here that stores a ton of stuff. It's called Solomon because it has all the wisdom. And you click it, its number one folder is called wisdom. 
Solomon's uh, the wisest of all. He isn't, after this mistake, he is the wisest. Mm. Living in this mistake, he is the wisest. During this mistake, he is the wisest. And I was like, how? I thought in my mind, and I know I've read First Kings a few times because I really enjoy Kings. I thought it was backwards. I thought this came way after God's like, you are so wise. Mm. No, this happens in verse 1 and 2 and 3 of chapter 3. And then verse 6, Solomon's like, oh my gosh, God, I'm praying to you. You showed my father so many things. You directed my father. Chapter 3, verse 6. I'm just going to kind of talk about this. You can read this amazing. He's like, you showed my father so many things. You led him through battles. You gave him victories. You're amazing. But God, I want you in my life to show me right from wrong. I, I want you re let me read this to you. Chapter 6, verse 6 is when he starts praying, but verse 9 is what I want to touch on. Give therefore thy servant an understanding, a heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, uh, thy so great a people. So he, he prays this prayer, and then at verse 10, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And the Lord said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, mm -hmm. tell yourself that, say this thing, this thing, thou hast not asked for thyself long life, neither asked for riches for thyself, nor asked for the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee. Neither after thee shall thou arise like unto thee. That moment God's like, that is your prayer? Like, Solomon, I'm proud of you. I anointed you. I give you anything. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. it, God says, that's what you're going to get. Not only are you going to get that, I don't care who prays this ever. No one's ever going to get it again. And I love, I have the next verse written down, verse 13. Um, and I have also given thee that which has not asked, both riches and honor. Yeah. So we asked for wisdom and it's like, but wait, there's more, you know, like those infomercials from the early 2000s. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you like wisdom? How about some riches? How about some honor? Like it's so touched the Lord, you know, that he's like, have some extra blessings. These are just little icing on the cake. I want to pre pretext what I said. God will give you wisdom if you pray. Yeah. I'm not saying God won't, but God will never give you wisdom to this extent. Right. As he said, there will never be one like you again. Well, and this was a very niche situation, too. You know, he's a king. He's a ruler. Are you going to talk about the story that comes directly after that? Because that is wild. Like, immediately where his wisdom is tested. You do that. Okay. Oh, oh, this is the baby. Yeah, okay. can we? Okay. I don't know why I whispered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the baby. <laughs> so, immediately after this prayer, which, by the way, I didn't, I have not, I read the Bible through. I did not catch this. When Solomon is asking God for wisdom, this isn't a dream. The Lord actually visits Solomon while he is sleeping, and he's he's like, what would you ask of me? And so, you know, he asks for wisdom. And he wakes up, and he's like, boom, wisdom. So, immediately following this, um, two harlots come to the king, and basically the situation is this. They both had children. And one of them, they were co-sleeping, and I guess the baby smothered or whatever so she got up supposedly and switched the babies right so the woman woke up the other woman and was like oh my goodness my baby's passed away but then she looked at it a little closer and was like that's that's not my baby she's like you have switched my baby so they take this to king solomon and they're like that's my baby and the other one's like no it's mine and then they just start arguing about it so then solomon proposes an idea and he said here's what we'll do we'll bring me a sword 
and I'll chop the baby in half. Give one to you and give the other half to you. That way you're both equal. You can shut up about it, whatever. Well, the woman whose baby it was clearly not was like, this is fair. The math is sound. Two halves equal a whole. There are two of us. The woman whose baby it clearly was was like, uh, no, just give it to her. It's fine. Please don't cut this baby in half, you know, whatever. So Solomon's like, that's the mom. That's, that is the one that with the mother's heart. So the kingdom heard this and was like, wow, this guy is so smart. He's so wise. <laughs> Immediately his wisdom gets like tested and tried. And it's such a crazy story. Like it's referenced in secular culture. It's referenced all the time in sermons, but it's so, it's just, it's such a weird story. It sticks out to you immediately where he's like, I would like wisdom. Lord's like wisdom. And then these two girls are like, baby. And he's like, I got this. Like, I, I think that's why it's so important. If Solomon was weary and he woke up that day and was like, I am too tired for court. Because <laughs> think of this. Solomon's in his dream asking for wisdom. Over here with the harlots, mm -hmm. they're moving babies around that are dead. Right. The same time. And then come morning, God, when God gives you something, it's not for naught. And God puts stuff to work quickly. God don't give you really things to just set. And we see that with Solomon. I mean, it's like boom, boom. Yeah. Um, so I encourage you. And he, here's one thing I want to end with. Wisdom is only effective when used. Mm. So if Solomon's the most wise king and God gives him this, what's the point if he wasn't in that room to help that woman and that baby? So God, if he's given you these gifts, if he's given you his anointing, which he has, if you're saved, you're being given all these things, it's only good. It's only effective if it's being used. Mm -hmm. So find every day to throw these seeds out. Kind of combining my morning's thought, my youth service thought, but throw these seeds, spread these seeds and let them grow. Coming to a close, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm done. The new magazine is in. I love the fall edition. This is 100% free as well. Uh, eventually, we probably will have to start charging for this. But for now, this is free. If you would like this, there will be a picture on the screen or a lower third, some way for you to get this. Go to our website, fill out a simple form. I'm so excited. There's a couple stories in here uh, from people in the church. My brother preached a sermon on the bad seed, and then someone wrote how it affected their life. Unbelievable, life-changing. Brother Brandon, love this guy. I challenge you, please get this magazine, read that. And there's tons of other incredible things in here. So please get this magazine. Definitely. Thank you so much. Take a moment like this and share this. God bless you. God bless you.